Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. Thinking about things of money or whatever, and then pretty soon we're talking over somebody else, and pretty soon here we are, we've gone to it. And we get there and we wonder, well, how did we get there? It's because of that progression. That's exactly how people lose out with God. They have a private devotion. And it kind of skips a while. And they come to church on a regular basis. And then it kind of skips another time. And then pretty soon, some kind of hobby or whatever is taken over. And pretty soon, you look back and we've moved totally away from the things of God. It's not like week one here and week two there. It's just this progression. For many, giving and tithing is not an easy thing. But why is that? Usually, it's because we're so preoccupied with money, having it, getting it, not having it. If your excuse for not giving is because you think you don't have enough to spare, consider this. When King Amaziah hesitated to send his rented army away because of the money he'd spent, he was reminded by a prophet that the Lord is able to give you much more than this. So it is for us. When we're faithful, he will give us everything that we need. Most of the time, we don't know what we need, only what we want. But the Lord knows, and He will be faithful to provide. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, let's join Pastor Mark in the book of 2 Chronicles, chapter 25, verse 7, for our continuing study entitled, God's Loving Correction. of God came to him and said, O king, these troops from Israel must not march with you, for the Lord is not with Israel, nor with any of the people from Ephraim. Even if you go and fight courageously in battle, God, circle that word, will overthrow you before the enemy, for God has the power to help or to overthrow Amen. What, he, what happened here is, this is God's loving correction. Amaziah has a plan. It'd be just like you and I. doesn't have to be going to war. We have a plan. We want to change jobs. We've lost our job. We want to buy a new house. We want to buy a new car. We have all these plans together. We go ahead and make all these steps. We don't bring God into the equation and all, we're just going doing our thing. And God speaks to us through the word, through a prophet, whatever, and says, whoa, 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 time out, time out. You go this way, you take that job, you do that. You haven't asked me, nothing good's going to come of this. So you say, well, why would God do that? It's loving correction. Notice, he's coming to him before he's failed. And he's saying, hold it, hold it. You don't want to go there. You do not want to go there. Good thing. We ought to be able to thank God when he comes to us with correction. By the way, every time I teach, for many of us, is loving correction. God brings that to us. Second Timothy 3.16, all scriptures God breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, and correcting. So even as I go through that tonight, maybe something I've just said that is an example, boom, it hits you right between the eyes. Well, who's correcting you? I'm not correcting you. God is. He's trying to say, whoa, 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 you, you stepped out. 
you're going the wrong direction here. You better back up a moment because nothing good. See, God knows. God knew exactly what nothing good is going to come from that. So don't go down that route. You say, well, that's pretty mean of God. No, that's not mean of God at all. That's loving. He knows exactly. Don't go there. Now, imagine God having to say this. God is not with Israel. I will hope that ever doesn't happen in our country, that we have to say God is not with America. Now, God had the power. He uses his word often, as I've said, loving correction to keep us from disastrous outcomes. Well, what happens in verse 9? Amaziah asked the man of God, <laughs> look at this, this is amazing. Amaziah asked the man of God, well, what about the hundred talents I paid for the Israelite troops? What's he saying? Hey, what happened to the big bucks I put in this vent already? Isn't it amazing how money gets involved in our lives? God's coming to him and says, you go ahead with this, everybody dies. His first question is, well, how can I get my money back? It wasn't a double or money back guarantee here. I'm in trouble. What if, I don't care about my life. How about my money? Amazing. The man of God replied, the Lord, I love this statement, the Lord can give you much more than that. Money always seems to be an area of temptation. This is a great principle. I want to encourage you tonight. This is a great principle in our giving. Some of you struggle with giving to God. But it, it's the same thing. Well, Pastor Mark, if I give to God, I mean, man, even if I stretch it and gave 10% to God, and you tell me that God's word said it should be off the top? Well, if I do that, you might as well just say Amaziah's question here. How am I going to make it? That's what people do. Well, if I, if I actually give to God what He wants, I'll be broke. I can't make it. I can't do what God asks. Let me tell you a little clue. You can't afford not to do what God asks. Do you see this? Look at this statement here. The Lord can give you what? Much more than that. Don't get me going down this road tonight, but let me tell you. <laughs> You've heard it saying, and all of us have been in church all our life, it is one of the truest statements you'll ever hear. You will never, never, never outgive God. He just knows how to bless us and so many incredible... You say, well, you're speaking that hundredfold stuff now. No, I'm speaking millionfold. And I'm not talking about if you give a dollar, you get a million back. Don't go for those guys on TV. All they want is your bucks. God gives us what we need in abundance. Exceedingly abundantly all we need. You need some bucks, he'll take care of you. But it's not about bucks. It's about God knowing what we need. So don't go that route. Is money standing in your way of making a right decision? The love of money is the root of many, 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 many evils. Certainly should never be for a Christian. Verse 10, we see some good news finally from a king. So Amaziah dismissed the troops, praise God, who had come to him from Ephraim, and he sent them home. Now they were furious with Judah and left for home in a great rage. Amaziah obeyed the prophet, obeyed God, didn't... Do, do you know how many pastors, let me just say, do you know how many potential pastors and missionaries are sitting in our congregations throughout the world? Notice I said potential. You know why they're not? Because of money. They're not willing to put their life on the line. 
they have a certain lifestyle, they have something in their, their family, whatever, they're not willing when God calls, they're not. So we substitute all kind of other activities. You pray. If God has gifted you as a pastor, teacher, missionary, and you're not following the call of God, you're out of His will. You pray. Amaziah hears the prophet and goes, okay, you're right. You can provide for me in many other ways. And as he does this, notice Ephraim gets angry. Now, why would they get angry? They already got the bucks. Why they're angry is this, because when they're going to go there, they were going to plunder also. They just didn't get the upfront money. They were, when you went into a town, you, you were able to take lots of goodies with you. They don't have any of that. You're going to see what the problem is. Verse 11. Amaziah then marshaled his strength and led his army to the Valley of Salt, where he killed 10,000 men of Seir. And the army of Judah also captured 10,000 men alive, took them to the top of the cliff, threw them down so they were all dashed to pieces. Meanwhile, the troops that Amaziah had sent back and had not allowed to take part in the war, what did they do? They raided the Judean towns from Samaria to Beth Horan. They killed 3,000 people and carried off great quantities of plunder. They got angry. They were deprived. Notice something. That's a very sad verse because even though Amaziah obeyed, he had taken some steps that he couldn't back up with. And innocent people in Judah were killed because the king moved ahead of God. Spiritual leader in your home, husband, don't move ahead of God. Elders, pastors in this church, we don't want to move ahead of God. Innocent people often get hurt. You don't want to do that. That's why I want to hear from God, then make our move. Verse 14, when Amaziah returned from slaughtering the Edomites, this is an incredibly sad verse. He brought back the gods of the people of Seir. So he had gone down to the Edomites, pagan people, destroyed them, won them over, captured them again, and he brings back with him their pagan gods. He sets them up as his own God, bowed down to them, and burned sacrifices to them. We would say today, Amaziah is one fry short of a Happy Meal. <laughs> Does that verse make any sense to anybody? He has just heard from a prophet. Don't ask these other guys. You can go down and take care of that problem. God will be with you. You'll destroy them. He does it. God answers beautifully. So what does he do? He brings back these other gods. Now, why he's one fry short, he may be more than one fry short, is verse 15. The anger of the Lord burned against Amaziah. And he sent a prophet to him. So he had to send this prophet again. Can you imagine this guy? Hello, I have a second call for you. You thought the first one was bad. Wait to hear about this one. Who said, Why do you consult this people's gods, which could not save their own people from your hand? Think about that. Here's what the prophet has to go to say to him. Amaziah, let's think about this just for a moment. The gods you brought back were from the nation that you just destroyed. Now those people have been praying to those gods to protect them from you. How did their gods do? 
not too good. So you're bringing them back. Let's get this right now. You're bringing them back. Instead of worshiping the God who brought you the victory and spoke to you and assured you you'd have it, you're bringing back the losers. And you're bowing down to them. What he's saying is, are you crazy? Now, can you imagine why God's angry? One thing we don't want in our life is to have a word that the prophet comes to and says, is this my ball? Yes, uh, God's angry with you. You don't want that. I don't want that. I mean, in our mind, we can't even comprehend that. Because he's making a God. Remember Exodus. I, God spoke these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. I mean, if there was any verse ingrained in a Jew, it's that verse. And yet, he goes right beyond the word of God. You see, he moves past it. Turn with me to Psalms chapter 1 quickly. How does this happen in our lives? Well, there's a progression we have to be careful of. How could we have other gods? Do you know other gods certainly can be money, can be our jobs, can be security. Often, it's just self. We become the God. We want to please ourselves. By the way, it can also become just religious church activity. And what I'm seeing, and I've seen for many years, you know, our God, a God can be our family rather than God. We have more effort, more time with our family than we do the things of God. You have to put God first in your life, not your family. Family is certainly important. But you don't put your family before God. In Psalm chapter 1, look at 1 through 4, look at this progression quickly. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. Those three verbs are you want to circle. Walk, stand, and sit. That's a progression. We start hanging out with the ungodly. Just, we're just kind of walking with them. How are you? What's happening? The next thing you see, we've stopped a while and, we, and we're standing with them. We're, we're kind of working with them. We're, we're thinking, hearing what they have to say. In the very next situation, what do you see there? You're now sitting with them. You see, this is the way Satan works. He always works this little deceptive way. And pretty soon we're thinking about things of money or whatever. And then pretty soon we're talking over somebody else. And pretty soon, here we are. We've gone to it. And we get there and we wonder, well, how did we get there? It's because of that progression. That's exactly how people lose out with God. They have a private devotion. And it kind of skips a while. And they come to church on a regular basis. And then it kind of skips another time. And then pretty soon, some kind of hobby or whatever is taken over. And pretty soon, you look back and we've moved totally away from the things of God. It's not like week one here and week two there. It's just this progression. And Satan loves to do this in our life. Notice what this says, and let's go on quickly. But instead of doing that, the man of God doesn't do any of those things. By the way, now, let me just caution you about this. That doesn't mean we're not to be around sinners. We have to be around sinners. We have to be there to share the good news with them. But we can't partake in their sinful lifestyle. You have to be around them. For sure you have to be around them. But we can't partake in that lifestyle. We can never be partners in that. But his delight instead is in the law of the Lord. And on the law, he meditates day and night. If he does that, if I'm into the word of God, if it's active in my life, if it's not just a religious deal, then I'm checking it off because for you students, well, dad's checking to see if I'm doing my devotion. Well, it's good your dad's checking, but 
If you're not doing it with your heart, we're back to Revelation chapter 2 again. That can go for husband, wife, anybody in this building, elder, pastor. If we do those things, though, what's, what's it like? He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Man, that's the life. That's the life we want. So God speaks to us through his word. He had been speaking to Amaziah, but he doesn't listen to it. Now, he speaks to us not very often through prophets today. Some, some, but mostly we have plenty right here. And he's speaking to us tonight even. You know that. Another passage you can study later is uh, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. I don't have time for it tonight, but I encourage you to go there because God tells us there that he speaks to us through his word. Now, back. look at verse 16. While he was still speaking... The king said to him, to this prophet who had came back with the, this word from God, uh, uh, what do you do bringing these gods back here? He says to him, have we appointed you an advisor to the king? Stop. Why be struck down? So he's saying to this prophet, shut up. I don't want to hear your words. Who appointed you the king here to come and talk to me? So now he's guilty he doesn't want to face his sin. There's pride here. Notice. So the prophet, does he shut up? I like it. No. So the prophet stopped but said, I know that God has determined to destroy you because you have done this and have not listened to my counsel. See, we have to listen to the counsel of God's word. Then we have to do what he asks us to do. You just can't have it go through a year and think about it and then leave the building tonight. Well, that was night, Pastor Margie. talked to me about being full on for God and have a zeal. Nice sermon. If you don't do anything but listen to it and it goes through your ears and doesn't go to your heart, we're in trouble. It's got to go down our heart. We have to do some things about it. God often begins to speak to us in those areas. Now, the truth of God, let me give you some homework. Matthew 10, 17 through 23. You study that in detail this week, and I think you'll see some, some interesting things. You'll see that when we're serving God, it will cause division, fighting, and jealousy. In our homes sometimes, at work, even in the church, there's a tremendous amount of spiritual warfare that goes on in our lives. And again, I don't have time to go into it tonight, but realize what you saw right here this prophet is put on the line for saying the truth you and i will experience that and jesus spoke to you when you do that homework this week in matthew 10 17 through 23 you'll see that jesus spoke very much that they can expect all kinds of hostility trouble they need to endure they need to keep sharing the good news of god don't don't get upset with it just understand it's going to be there verse 17 now after amaziah king of judah consulted his advisors he sent them to challenge Jehoash, son of Jehoahaz, the son of Jehu, king of Israel. Come meet me face to face. So what's he do? He's ignoring God's word. He's going to Israel and he says, I'm going to go and wage war with you in the north. Verse 18. But Jehoash, king of Israel, replied to Amaziah, king of Judah. Now, remember, the king of Judah normally were the wise kings, were the godly kings, the kings of Israel Normally didn't have much to do with God. But notice here, the king of Israel says to Amaziah, king of Judah, 
he gives us this little story, kind of an interesting little parable. He says, a thistle in Lebanon sent a message to a cedar in Lebanon. Give your daughter to my son in marriage. Then a wild beast in Lebanon came along and trampled the thistle. If you want to write this down, here's what the story is. The thistle is Amaziah, who demanded from a cedar, who's Jehoash, that the cedar, Jehoash, give his daughter as a wife for Amaziah's son. The thistle, Amaziah, was rewarded for his presumptuousness by being overrun by a wild beast. Who would the wild beast be? The Israel's army. So he's saying to him, go ahead, you do this, and you're going to be defeated. This is not a wise thing to do. So basically, he understood the story, and he says, you think because you went to Edom and defeated that little minor power, that you're going to come here against a mighty tree, and you think you're going to defeat me? you got another thing coming. Don't come after me, because not good things will happen. Verse 20. Here we go again. Amaziah, however, would not listen. For God so worked that he might hand them over to Jehoash because they sought the the gods of Edom. So Jehoash, king of Israel, attacked. He and Amaziah, king of Amish and Judah. Judah was routed by Israel. And every man fled to his home. And Jehoash, king of Israel, captured Amaziah, king of Judah, the son of Joash, the son of Ahaziah, at Beth Shemesh. Then Jehoash brought him to Jerusalem, broke down the wall of Jerusalem from the Ephraim gate to the corner gate, a section of about 600 feet long. He took all the gold and silver, all the articles found in the temple of God that had been in the care of Obed-Edom, together with the palace treasures and the hostages, and return to Samaria. Amaziah didn't listen to the truth of the parable. He goes blindly into the battle. The Lord, through the prophet, had already said, the outcome will be this. That was the outcome. Jehoash marched in, broke the wall, took him prisoner, ravaged the temple, took all the treasures away. The next few verses just talk about the end of Amaziah, what happened in his army, he eventually outlives Jehoash. He becomes so unpopular because of the defeat. All the people went back. He's forced to leave himself, move into hiding and lackish, and eventually assassins find him, kill him, bring his body back for burial. Now, why did all of that happen that we talked about tonight? Go back with me to verse 2. Why did all of this head downhill? He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, but not wholeheartedly. You see, he let his heart be mixed. He became prideful. God's word is all true tonight. When he corrects us, it's loving correction. We need to be open to it. When Amaziah defeated the Edomites, he clearly did so because of the faithfulness of the Lord. Amaziah had did as the Lord asked prior to the battle, so Judah was victorious. Yet the king brought back pagan idols from the people of Seir. 
Obviously, those gods couldn't save Edom, but Amaziah wasn't fully loyal to the true God. It was this truth that Pastor Mark challenged us with, to be fully committed to serving the Father. Pastor Mark will continue teaching through this series the next time you join us. For those of you that like to have CD archives of Bible teachings, we'd like to offer you a CD of Pastor Mark's message from today. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. The cost for each CD is $5. This is only to cover the materials and shipping it takes for you to receive your CD. Again, to place an order for a CD, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option. Now, here's Josh with today's message number and title. Thanks. The message number from today's broadcast is 2283. And the title of this message is God's Loving Correction. Again, today's message number for ordering purposes is 2283. And the title of this message is God's Loving Correction. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time here on Lessons for Living as we come to chapter 26 when Uzziah becomes king of Judah. This king will put God first and be blessed with success and prosperity because of it. But all that wealth and success can lead to a dangerous place, pride. Pride is saying to the Lord, I don't need you. We'll see where Uzziah's pride will take him, and it won't be good. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue sharing with us from the book of Second Chronicles. That's next time on Lessons for Living. 